Welcome one and all to The B-Side, a podcast about movie stars and the movies they've made in between the movies that made them famous. These are the films that are mostly forgotten, some good and some not as good. Quality will certainly vary. Today uh, is a fun day. We're talking about a man some call the greatest showman. The Wolverine, John Valjean, whatever his name was in Real Steel, a Sean Levy joint. Uh, his name, you know his name, Hugh Jackman. Uh, he certainly is. He's the jackiest of men. Uh, today I'm joined by my dear friend, talented editor, and accomplished podcaster, Gavin Mevius. Hello. Hello. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> um, all right, so here we go. Hugh Jackman. Now, the movies we're going to talk about, yes. right, the B-sidey movies, are actually, what's interesting, are his are early movies, his second, third, and fourth movies, ostensibly, in his now very accomplished career, right immediately after his basically skyrocket to stardom in a little movie called X-Men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he played X Man, he was yeah. X Man. People, yeah, people love. I'll tell you, not to immediately go off the ropes, <laughs> but when I was a young kid, and I'm sure most people can, a lot of people can relate to this. I did think when I only had action figures for a while that Wolverine was X Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it, I'll just because that. you know I had. I'm sure I got the 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 action figures before, yeah, yeah, before yeah. I could read, you know, maybe or something. And then like you get older, and you're like. I, I remember a friend of mine's older brother like explaining Weapon X to me um, oh before I got into comic books because I'm a huge comic book fan. Um, and uh, <laughs> and I just remember like just sitting there wide-eyed and listening to the story of like this feral man who escapes this like military bunker and yeah, and, it's a great and story. just showing just showing me the images of the comic books and seeing the first time like the blood and carnage because <laughs> it was all Frank Miller back then and oh my yeah. God. And I, so now I'm scarred for life. And, uh, <laughs> it haunts me. Exactly. It haunts me forever. I've only been in prison twice, and uh, <laughs> each time you're out? funnier. You're, I'm out now. Yeah. You're better? I'm better, Which, yeah. I mean, look, the prison system, it's it's designed for that. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the important yeah, thing. Yeah. It fixes people. <laughs> um, but so the three movies primarily we'll talk about uh, all came out in the year 2001. They are in chronological order. Someone Like You, Swordfish... <laughs> Oh, God. Swordfish. What a great name. Kate and Leopold, right? Miramax's... Kate and Leopold. Miramax. And it's, you know, a big budget. We'll get into it. Yeah. All right. So before we do that, uh, I will say, for my money as a movie fan, I love Hugh Jackman, right? Just in terms of just movie stars, their personalities... In, on and off screen, just all the stuff. I I am a fan of him, and I think that, um, you know, he he's almost one of those guys who represents like what movie stars kind of were. Maybe you know what, what our what our idea of them were back in the day. You know, he's yeah. a sh- I mean, you know, pun now not as intended. He is a showman. Like he yeah. is a guy where I loved when he hosted the Oscars. I remember thinking like. That feels right. I still, in my head, every now and then, think like about the weird techno, the reader. Oh, the reader. Yeah, right. he's like, has anybody seen yeah, the reader? Yeah. The reader. I haven't seen the reader. I was going to see it later, but I fell behind. My Batmobile took longer than I thought to design. The reader. 
I know I need to see the reader. I even went down to the theater, but there was a line of all the people watching Iron Man a second time. I mean, like, and it, but like in that way of it wasn't that funny, but he was having fun, right. and because he's having fun, you're he's, having fun. He's infectious in a way, totally. Yeah, and so me and uh, and mutual friend Connor O'Donnell were talking about Keanu Reeves on a recent episode, and I mentioned how we talked about his his capacity for kindness being yeah. a big thing with Keanu Reeves, and it's kind of similar to Jackman. It's not just kindness there's obviously charm and other things but it's that type of thing and an yeah. infection you're like i like this guy I yeah wanna... there, there is a, a real charisma about him that obviously he exudes and even in some of these movies which once again we will get to like, <laughs> you know there may not be the world's greatest performance but there's there is something about him yeah. that like commands the screen the camera's in love with him in love with uh, him yeah. yeah and that's that's totally well said and so you know uh, he's in this place now where he's post Wolverine. Yeah, yeah. Logan came out. Obviously, uh, solid, solid flick. I liked it a lot. A lot of people liked it. Um, and he's, but it's this thing of you know he has this. He comes from the theater. He comes from musicals, and he's a, he is someone who he's a song and dance man. And so uh, Les Mis, Les Miserables, Les Miserables. That's the French. That's how the French said, yeah, 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 just in case. So that came out Christmas 2012. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And it was that a big was, hit. That was five years ago already? Oh, my God. And a monster hit. I'm I'm dying in front deal, of you. Deal, just yeah. deal with it. I was, I, yeah, I was barely dating my now wife. Yeah. That was like early. I had just broken up with her. Early. So <laughs> crushed it. Early, early stages. And um, we saw that one together. And I... I love Les Miserables, and I know Do a lot you? of. I know that's I, an interesting choice. I know, I know, and, Ke- and so Kelly, my dear wife, she hates that. Back, back. I don't like listen to this now, but I would listen to the Russell Crowe songs. Oh God, I know. Which is like, oh, I know. Which I get why they're she married. I get, I get why they're hated, but I there was something weirdly I perversely liked them, and I would listen to it, and she'd be like, "Please, Dan." <laughs> Turn that off. She was like, it was like she loves you. She, I just I have to say how, now, she and how really loves you. So yeah, so let's get into it, right? So so he makes X Men, right? And it's kind of out of nowhere. Um, he's a guy who's performing. He's a musical guy, theater guy, like we've said. He he, I think as I he sends a tape, right? It's yeah. like very dreamy story yeah, yeah. blah 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 well because it was supposed to be Dugray Scott classic story yeah everybody and, knows it Dugray yeah. Scott and Dugray, God bless yeah everybody's favorite Dugray Scott I mean everything <laughs> happened for him afterwards so it's fine it's such a um, it's such a weird actor story yeah and it's funny because you talked about Tom Cruise before and it's essentially Tom Cruise's fault because it they is. had to do reshoots on Mission Impossible they 2 did. where he was playing the villain so. and here what's weird is uh, people hate on Mission Impossible 2 and I get why yeah me do, too do Dugray Scott's a good villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that's what's weird. It's like he gives a good performance as as you know Sean Ambrose, I believe his name yeah. is. You know, it's like so funny too because the only uh, thing I had seen him in before was uh, Ever After, a Cinderella right, story where right, he plays which, the prince, and he's not. He's so non-threatening in that movie. He's dashing. And, yeah, exactly. He's absolutely dashing. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, I forgot about Ever After. Well, I'm, wow, it's a classic. So I don't wow. understand. I have not thought about that movie yeah. in twenty years. Yeah, Drew Barrymore and Angelica Houston. Uh, yes, yeah, she's Whoa. the wicked stepmother and uh, the fairy godmother in that movie is Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci. I can't speak Leonardo da Vinci. 
crazy. Wait, what? Yeah, the fairy godmother. He's the one who like gets her her dress. That's why her dress has wings. Because no, not... yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go back and rewatch it. Because it's like who? Oh it's, shit! Sorry. It's, it's uh, like hot mic. Who directed this movie? Uh, Do you know? I don't remember. Ever after, but it's it's one of those things like trying to reclaim the magic from the. Um, oh my god! Do you know who directed it? No, I don't even know if this you're going to even react to this. Andy Tennant, okay, who is like a very studio guy, and he's given us such films as Ready? Here we go. Fools Russian. Oh, Salma. Yeah, Matthew. We did. Uh, a, a, I'll put in a quick plug for my yeah, podcast. Yeah, plug it. Uh, I do a, a co-host a film podcast called The Mixed Reviews with my friend Louis. We did a Salma Hayek episode, and uh, that was you one talked of Louis, about. Yeah, that was F-R-I? one of Louis' favorite. Yeah, Fools Russian. A, I yeah, I I would have to go back and watch that. Um, and then yeah, so he did. It takes two. Mary Kate and Ashley. Yeah. Joy. Fools Russian ninety seven. Ever after ninety eight. Anna and the King. Do you remember that one? Yes, with, with uh, uh, Jody and Jody uh, Chow Young. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of it's like a version of oh, the King and I. So the King and I is based off of the book and it. Okay, got so it, got it, got it. It's the non-musical. Interesting. Version. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the monster two for hits, Sweet Home Alabama. Oh man. And then Hitch. Whoa, <laughs> those are monster hits. Yeah, yeah. And then a lesser. It, it, I mean, I don't know if. Uh, yeah, Lesser Bean could handle the back-to-back <laughs> sure. of Reese and Wilson. Oh, my God. Like, the, the wattage, the yeah. star wattage. Um, Fool's Gold in 08, which is a tough. That's Kate Hudson, Matthew McConaughey. Oh, Treasure yeah. hunting movie. I've forgotten about it's that. It's a tough one. Yeah, yeah. I watched it with uh, my Matthew wife. Matthew McConaughey should like avoid treasure hunting movies because like Sierra Sa- or Sahara. Sa- Sahara. Sahara. Yeah, Sahara. No, yeah. There we go. He, he, how, how dare you? No, it's funny. That was Fool's Gold is like the beginning of the end of his rom-com yeah. thing. You could tell he's kind of like, uh, yeah. yeah. March 2001, Someone Like You comes out, yes. directed by Tony, grandson of Samuel, bad guy in Ghost. Uh, everybody's favorite hot president. President in Scandal. Yeah. Goldwyn. I didn't know that he is the grandson. Yes. He's That's Hollywood, amazing. literally Hollywood royalty. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, that explains literally... his entire career. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I say, I say that with all reverence, because I know people love him, but like- Not unlike a Gerard Butler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a strange case. Yeah, yeah. A strange case. And uh, kind of gives a weirdly great Hamby performance in Ghost, actually, as as the bad guy. Absolutely. Um, But very strange career. And um, but he's he's a director. He he's made a few things. He directed the Last Kiss, that Zach Braff movie. A few other things. He's been around. I don't know. You know that that one. The vehicle. Oh yeah. Um, so someone like you comes out, and it's and this is what I love about this movie. So X Men comes out. Hugh Jackman is now a studly guy, uh, overnight movie star, in one of the truest senses of the world word to some degree. I mean, really, basically, you know, yeah. X Men surprise hit, right? Oh, famously, and we, and we would people, not people thought it was going to flop. And oh it yeah, didn't. and we would not have the current state of for better or for worse. Right. We would not have the current state of superhero movies without X Men. People assign it to Blade and Spider-Man, but it's the trifecta. It's the trifecta. It's, the trifecta. Right. it's, the trifecta. it's Blade in 98, 99. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Man. X-Men and, and Spider-Man. And X-Men, yeah. yeah. So. so, yeah. So, I mean, and he's probably the biggest part of that. I mean, he is Wolverine. I remember being, what, 12? I remember seeing X-Men and-, and you, you child. I know. And being like, yeah, that's who- I've always thought that's who Wolverine yeah. is. You know, and I'm not a huge comic book person, but he, you know, I was- 
in it a little bit then, and I remember being just blown away by right. by the performance. Even as like I don't know, I was probably like fifteen, sixteen. I was a little older. I was like. He was fine, but you know, Wolverine's short. Oh, God, I love it. Wolverine's I so much shorter it. than that. You're so contrary. <laughs> yeah. You just like back there, you're like, mm, yeah, the novels were, the graphic well, novels were. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so X-Men's, X-Men's a monster surprise hit, and all of a sudden we have a new movie star, Hugh Jackman. Okay. And then what these three movies, what's so great about it is it really feels like, and we were talking about this before the podcast, it feels like Hollywood in a year, right? And obviously these things take years to develop, right. but in one year of movies coming out, feels like Hollywood trying Hugh out, trying yeah. him out. What can this guy do? Is he really a movie star? And what's interesting is all three of these movies are are disappointments oh, uh, yeah. financially. Yeah. You know, on their different levels of budget, they are all not even, I mean, flops. Eh, deflating yeah. things. They're not like they're not disasters. Right. I was gonna say it's swordfish definitely not. Um No, but but it underperforms. But do you know what the budget was for it? No, I don't. And so this is like so two thousand and one. I know the that shot towards the beginning was like a massive budget. Oh my train. god. It, but anyways. hundred and two is what I on box office mojo, what I'm looking at right now. One hundred and two million dollar production budget, which that. is just that's crazy. It's crazy. And yeah. to watch it, it oh. rewatching that movie. Oh my god. Oh somebody was embezzled. What was happening? Yeah. Dominic Senna, what, who one of one of the big chase sequences in that movie is just people falling down a hill. And in in a classic action movie thing, um especially more back then, is it's a chase scene where there's no consequence. Yeah. At the end of that chase scene. Don Cheadle, who is in this movie, by yeah. the way. Uh, fun fact about the film. Apparently, Don Cheadle was the, that director's first choice. And his exact words were, if we can get Don Cheadle, we can get anybody. Really? Yeah. But Don Cheadle wasn't even... I know. I know. That's a... It was... It's in What would he have done? I don't know. <laughs> that I mean, he was... Wanted he had, Don he, he was in Devil in a Blue Dress. Yeah. And people were like, this guy's a good actor. Yeah. But it wasn't like he was even in had the Oceans movies. No, that was the same year. Oh, one was Oceans Eleven. Wow, that's funny. And he's uncredited in the first Oceans movie. So is he really? Yeah, yeah. Bashatar. Yeah, leave it out. Not not in the credits or anything. That's weird. Crazy. Um. Wow, that's funny. So yeah, Swordfish, kind of a big budget summer movie that didn't do that well. Though I think was a huge DVD thing. Yes, I think we killed on DVD. Yeah. Um. And then Kate Leopold was a Christmas release. Like I said, it was a big, big thing for Miramax. And and also cost like $70 million. So yeah, it was also true. kind of a biggie. And ultimately worldwide grows $70 million. And it's tough to do that sort of period setting without spending the You know, money. it's funny rewatching it. Yeah. You know, and obviously me and you, nowadays we both work in the world of post right. and production and stuff. The matting of of old New York is egregious. Yeah, yeah, you know, one I'm sure it was fine, but it's funny. Yeah, the the way they connect the that dots. opening scene. It's funny, actually. Uh, I will say this: um, I had never seen the director's cut, so that was the version I chose to watch because I infamously heard about the what. There's I didn't know. Oh this. yeah, the, so the director's cut is the version that keeps in the fact that Leopold and Leo Shriver's character are related. He's his great great grandfather. Which means oh. Meg Ryan has spent some time banging her own great great grandson. 
which is the weirdest development in the film. It's never addressed. They never. Wait, what do you mean? How never, does that make sense? Because he's her ex-boyfriend. Liam Shriver's her ex-boyfriend, and the like. They never worked out. Because... Oh wait, so because what you're saying is so right because Meg Ryan goes back in time, time. and is going to bang Hugh, Huge. yeah, and 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 kids will come, yeah, yeah, and then those kids will result in Liev, right? Whoa, isn't that weird? Isn't that fucking weird? And uh, so I had I'd never seen that version, so I decided to watch that. It's about 20 minutes longer. Shut um, shut up, and it doesn't it doesn't feel it. I'll be honest. Like I'll, first of all, I'm watching these three movies. And you even texted this to me. I did. Kate Leopold's a virtual masterpiece. Oh, and uh, all of the three. And, I watch them all in a day. I like watch one in the morning, right. one I, in the afternoon, one at night. I took a break and watched Kate Leopold the day after. Um, yeah, but, I uh, watched. I my mistake was, and I, this is probably why I texted you is I watched Kate Leopold first. Oh yeah, yeah. Which you know, and then it's like I actually took uh, them in chronological, which is good. Which uh, is good for you. To but uh, the other really interesting thing in it is. Uh, that scene at the beginning when he's right before he travels to the present or the, the present of 2001, um, when he's like leaving the party, he's chasing Liev Shriver out of the party. Right. He runs into Meg Ryan. Really? Yeah. Like she, like he like hit, like hits her shoulder and she turns and the camera lingers there for a moment. And it took, it even took me a second. I was like, Oh shit, that's Meg Ryan. And so like, She's, so they so they're 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 leaning into the continuum yeah. element of it. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. And so, like, I don't know. I got this weird appreciation for Mangold's like very specific version of time travel that occurs in that movie. Um, I don't know. I I ended up really liking it. I like yeah. it. I well, I like I, I like. Say, we should talk about someone like you. Yeah. Let's get so. someone like you out of the way. Let's let's we're we're gonna yeah, give yeah. this ten minutes because because yeah. so here's my I'll I'll say I'll tell you this about someone like you. And, you know, I, I, one of the things I like about this podcast is the personal connection to these movies. Cause I think, and we were talking about this when we were talking about Keanu with the replacements, is it's funny how you think of these movies as forgotten, but obviously it, it, it is art, yeah. you know, art in whatever form you want to call it. And they, these things do exist. So for these movies that might be forgotten for most people, there are people who probably like love these movies a little bit. And for me, when I, as I went through my life, someone like you was a movie that I did watch a decent amount. I can't really tell you yeah. why. Probably cuz I like Hugh Jackman. Were you were you, when you were a kid, did your parents have HBO? Yeah, I see Maybe, but in but only in spats though. Yeah. Oh no, my, only in spats. That's funny that you say that. That's yeah. the same same with me. Like yeah. it was a, it was never a consistent thing. Totally. We, we had HBO one year, and then the next year we wouldn't have it. And then um, yeah. But uh, it's funny because I caught it a lot on HBO and yeah. sections, but until I watched it. I, I genuinely believed I'd seen this movie. I had not seen this movie. That is so funny. I had when I watched the full thing, I was like, oh god. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the thing, and that's kind of what's interesting about going back to these things because I I always felt comfortable with this movie, and I and I suppose and I suppose for me I go to I go to rom coms yeah uh, back to rom coms in in those lazy Sunday ways pretty consistently I do I like the formula yeah um, for for good and ill. And and even when they're like quote unquote naughty, which this movie was trying so hard to be naughty, so in hard and weirdly, yeah, yeah. And poorly. Um, like the, the the like you said, the formula is is real. There's like a comfort to it 
I don't know. Yeah, so, yeah no, yeah. I mean, that, that's exactly how I feel. And so I would always talk about this movie positively because I liked the formula and I yeah. liked Ashley Judd in it. Yeah. And, and I fucking love Ashley dude. Judd and I want and, nothing but the best. And it for makes her. me sad, kind of. I mean, it weirdly, you know, not weirdly, but she, I, I suppose, unfortunately, or. <clears throat> whatever you want to use she has been back in the news with everything that's been going yeah. on you know in in 2017 2018 with you know just the, the times up movement and Harvey Weinstein and what have you and to go back and catch the moment of Judd in the late 90s and early 2000s when the whole world was like let's Let's lean into Ashley Judd. Let's try to see what she can do because she basically makes Ruby in Paradise. She's in Smoke. She's got a couple nice little meaty roles in Heat and A Time to Kill. And then I loved her in A Time to Kill. Right, she's great, and she has a similar type of a you know a, a, it's a thankless wife girlfriend role that she adds adds stuff to, and then. She's in Kiss the Girls, which is kind of a surprise hit in 97. And all of a sudden, it's maybe Ashley Judd is our next Julia Roberts type thing, what have you. And so then it's Double Jeopardy, which is a hit. (laughs) Eye of the Beholder, which if there was ever a B-side, is the most B-side. Young Ewan McGregor and uh, and Ashley Judd. God bless. I forgot, genuinely forgot about that movie. It's a Destination, is it Destination Films? Yeah, remember Destination? They they only made a few movies, but... um, they uh I the Beholder, which I another movie I weirdly saw back then. I don't know why. Where the Heart Is, which you know, not unlike someone like you, just kind of a normal thing. Yeah, uh, n- you know, and you know, uh, the gross thirty three million, and then uh, right after someone like you, High Crimes, which is Morgan Freeman's in that. It's like a return of the Morgan Freeman, Ashley Judd in a movie together. But point being, like from the late nineties to the mid aughts, they were trying. They were right. trying with Ashley Judd. They were trying to make her bankable, and she was for for a period of time. So someone like you is right in the middle, and this is her rom com. This is her being cute. Yeah, and the cheerleader scene, like yes, yeah. which is that scene yeah. is probably the best scene in the movie yeah. when they have. It's like you know, it's late at night, and she's become Hugh Jackman's roommate through a series of unfortunate events, and <laughs> Hugh Jackman's your just right. the most classic cad character, right? Um, Can I set up this movie for people who have please seen it, God please? Um, so Ashley Judd plays a she's like a, a booker or an AP. I couldn't really tell, which what is it, weird because me and you work yeah, in this world, right? And I spent the whole time being like, like "This is what, not what I was this like, is like." Yeah, I was like, "What is the definition of her job?" <laughs> um, she's possibly a producer on a daytime talk I, show. I literally thought yeah. she's just a producer, yeah. And her job is booking talent, yeah. I guess which is normally separate jobs, yes. but uh, uh, right. She, she works on this daytime talk show hosted by Ellen Barkin. Yeah, it's basically like a Wendy Williams yeah, yeah. type thing. And she wants like, bigger and better things for her talk show. Uh, she falls in love with Greg Kinnear. Classic Kinnear. Who's also a producer, question this mark. This is a classic Kinnear role. And, um, and, but there's like a small love triangle between her and also Hugh Jackman, who is stage manager slash producer. So I, yeah, I, for, I saw Hugh's character was like the TD. Yeah, yeah. Because he's wearing the headset and he's right. looking at monitors, but he's but never calling shots. He's never calling shots. He's never and calling shots. And for yeah. some reason, he's in all of the production meetings. 
Like yeah, and I guess a, t- a like, technical director wouldn't, wouldn't be, be not when right. they're discussing like content. That's a good point. <laughs> um, That's a really good point. And uh, it's a tight knit group. Apparently. But he, yeah, exactly. It's a tight knit group. And uh, Greg Kinnear so, sort of spurns her, and uh, you know they're going to move in together, and and yeah. last minute he pulls out of it, and so she ends up being roommates with Hugh Jackman. All this time, she also has a best friend played by Marissa Tomei, and uh, Oscar Lord winner. No- Oscar winner. Lord knows how they got Marissa Tomei for this. This is a weird. Role. This is a weird time and, for her. And yeah. I genuinely really thought something was gonna like. There's a whole subplot at one point where she like gets angry at Ashley Judd for her not like acknowledging yeah. her as a human being because she's like I have getting a, over breakup. Yeah, time. she's I have relationship issues, and I thought it was gonna be like, oh, she's dating Hugh Jackman. No. No, it has nothing to do with that. That would have been interesting. Yeah. I didn't even think about um, that. And, uh, and Marissa Tomei works for a magazine. And uh, since Ashley Judd's heart's broken, she convinces Ashley Judd, who seems to be writing for the very first time, to oh, write God. an article on animal husbandry, which was the name of the movie originally. It's the original name. That, was it? Oh, really? yeah. That was the, and Tony Goldwyn fought them on it. He loved that name. Animal Husbandry? Animal Husbandry. Was it going to be the name of the yeah. motion picture? And uh, marketing apparently went back and forth with him until they finally convinced him. Well, Someone Like You is a classic blah title. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and they play that song like four times in the film. Oh, man. Who um, does the song? It's uh, the, I don't even remember. It, but, they the, play the, like, the, but the cover over the end credits is Winona Judd. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. That's what I was... Th- okay, okay. Um, Winona Judd. And... Uh, she, Are they, she rela- relates, related? Yeah, she's yeah. a sister. They're related, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And in fact, at the end of the movie, when she like reveals, so she writes this article. It's a huge hit for some unknown reason. Everybody wants her. She pretends to be this doctorate, uh, and everybody wants her. Oprah wants her, and finally, yeah, she invents a, yeah. like a recluse doctor. Yeah. But this, which is the a plot of the movie, is so unimportant. Yeah, so, like it's I mean, the weirdest thing. Well. And and it's this movie. It speaks to this time in pop culture, post Clinton, pre nine eleven, kind yeah. of where it's progressive, quote unquote, but not actually progressive. Right? Well, it's that, fake I, progressive. I actually wrote down one of the lines that bothered me the most is she she ends up. First of all, if you've ever fallen asleep with somebody. You move. You move in in, in, in night. There's a scene where she falls asleep with Hugh Jackman, and they hold hands all night long. And I was just like, "Oh yeah." Ugh. And then when she gets up in the morning, your uh, hand would be so gross. Oh yeah, just the you sweatiest. Would never do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't. Um, that's a good point. And uh, you know, the the moment she like really falls in love with him is they get up in the morning, and he says something about like, uh, you know, it's nice to like sleep next to somebody and and not even feel them up and then there's like a pause and he's like well maybe just once and she gives out like this little laugh and it's like no you ruined it don't don't laugh at that ashley judd Uh, like he's gross (laughs) well that's what i mean it's this funny it's it's it has this thing that i feel like a lot of movies like this did where there's the cad character. Yeah. You know what it is a lot like? And I was going to say this before with Marissa Tomei. It's a lot like What Women Want. Yeah, yeah. Right? What Women Want, I think, came out the year before and was yeah. obviously a monster hit. This movie really does feel, now that I'm saying it, almost like the seconds of yeah. that movie. And weirdly, Marissa Tomei has a thankless role yeah. in What Women Want, which is why I say... She was going through, I mean, yeah. she, maybe she fired her agent, you know, maybe there was management stuff happening. 
This was the weird time for Marissa. Yeah. This is pre her kind of assance, you yeah. know, and 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 she's trying to figure it out. But anyway, where you have the cad character, but the idea is that the woman is cool with it and gets what they're doing right. and is like, oh, you're just this guy, whatever. And I, I can, I'm gonna take care of myself and I'm an independent woman. Right. And so there's this, I, there's this appreciation for that element. This like. Alanis Morissette, like, you know, I'm taking control. Great. But clearly shoehorning in shitty male shit and then leaning on the tropes of the genre to almost undermine any slight progressive stuff. Even the like the Ellen Barkin character where she's doing this progressive thing, but it's all an act because all she really wants to do because she's secretly Greg Kinnear's yeah. ex-girlfriend, which uh, that shit in movies makes me crazy where it's like her name is D the whole time and yeah. then at the end it's like, oh, that's my boss. How would Diane, you never yeah. know that? That's impossible. That would, oh, of course, come oh, up. But, that, but then they like try and the, the, it's like the worst reverse detectiving. They try and cover their tracks because she, she tells Ashley Judd later in the film, she's like, you know, Earlier this year, uh, the man I was in love with broke up with me. Yeah. Did you see it around the office? Did I bring it to work with me? And Ellen. Ashley Judd, through like starting tears, like, no. And she's like, that's right, because I had to carry on. And it's just like, oh, fuck yourselves. I know. Like- <laughs> but it's that type of double speak yeah. and stuff in the movie that, that that rewatching it is super aggravating. Right. And and bummed me out. And, and I you know, it's like rewatching Hook. Right. No. It's and I don't know. I mean, obviously, neither of us were of age uh, in two thousand one. Uh, I was a, I was a senior in high school, and um, but like, self help was huge in the late nineties, early two thousands. But like, she writes one article. There's never, there's never any hint that she's written more than one article. Oh no. I almost and, think part of the movie is that she hasn't. Right. Like she's and, just like and zipping it up, zipping it in. Yeah, you know, and it's, hey. yeah, and it's crazy that she wrote like one article for a magazine. Yeah. And it blows up and becomes this huge phenomenon. And it's also there's a lot of movies like this too. Once again, fascinating rewatching where the internet's still fresh. And yeah. so Marissa's Home May's magazine has a webpage yeah. and there's a thing about it. Always remind, these things always remind me of Forty Days and Forty Nights. Yes. Where Josh Hartnett's like working for that internet company and it doesn't what they do makes no sense it's like such a weird but there were a lot of that things yeah those things in these movies and it just was so it's so strange to it's watch a, yeah it's the i and i don't know there's there's just so much of this movie that doesn't and like, like i was saying earlier like i don't know that should be the the a plot of the movie but it's relegated it's relegated so much to the background yeah but she's becoming famous and it's so weird there's so much and and just real quick before we move on from this uh in terms of hugh jackman he's doing like a soft brooklyn accent to hide his australian accent oh yeah and it's not working yeah there's a okay yeah i agree with you i I agree i've heard him do an american accent great but like this was this was painful it really comes through there's this one moment i'm trying to now i'm trying to think of the line um where he kind of yells at Ashley Judd in like a, in like a friend way, like yeah. get your shit together. I can't remember the line, but but that the articulation is other. you know how it is, <laughs> and uh, and it, it 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 turns left hard. You're yeah, like yeah. oof, Hugh. Yeah, and and that's He's smoking I, a lot in this movie. Oh, also yeah. just 
yeah. show of its time and the very end of it too. Um, and I do, I do just want to say, uh, people are going to look back at now and be like, what the fuck was everybody wearing? But really like this movie's like 16 years old and the costuming in this film is so hideous. There's a part where they're getting ready for a new year's Eve party <coughs> and Hugh is wearing, you, you don't see it as oh, much yeah, as yeah, 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 you're talking about. but it's a white button up shirt. But then at the, at the middle, the, the diaphragm portion and down and on the arms as well, it suddenly becomes a, a wide pinstripe shirt. Yeah. And it, I, I was like, when, when was this a thing? When would, um, that is true. Speaking of diaphragm uh, earlier in the, oh, film, the when thing I was talking about, talking, yeah, oh my where God. it's like trying so hard to be uh, naughty. She's like getting ready to fuck Greg Kinnear and she like pulls a diaphragm out and she has to blow dust off of it. And I was just, Oh my God. So like, <laughs> like, why? like, wash it. Yeah. Wash, wash it. it. And that's the, that's the other thing. This, this movie has very little, <laughs> point of view stylistically in terms of what it's trying to do it's got these like cute asides earlier in the film with the kids with right? the kids like during she's having which sex. what is the context of that nothing nothing it's, just, the, it's just like it never educa- happens again and right it never but i guess throughout the movie is i guess speaking to the original title yeah there's this uh her name's jane goodall yeah Oh my Which god! Which is a whole. I completely forgot about. That. Yeah, that's yeah. like the connective tissue of like yeah. she's in the wild searching about men. Right, this even whole the thing. Be- even the beginning starts oh, this with a story oh, about this like old cow smell and new cow smell and how you <sighs> trick a bull into sleeping with uh, a cow. And so that happens at the beginning, and it comes back throughout the movie, but never in the same like visual manner that occurs in the. Yeah. There's a there's a movie. Uh, it felt like it was really trying to be there. Uh, there's this film that I saw years ago and I'm, probably doesn't hold up, but it was called the mating habits of the earthbound human. Okay. And it's like, um, narrated by, uh, David Hyde Pierce as though he's an alien observing. Oh, that's and, okay. Yeah, and, okay. And like the lead woman in that is Carmen Electra. So I'll just, just, just to tell you like how bad this movie is. <laughs> what but, year is this? I oh God, it's gotta be late nineties. Yeah. But, right. There's a lot of stuff like that in the yeah. movie where there's like these like observational asides. And so I feel like this movie was really going for that playfulness and it never commits to it. So when yeah. it when it occurs, like the the first time she has sex with Greg Kinnear, and there's these cutaways to little girls explaining talking about like orgasms. Yeah. Or you know, or, or like it, it, yeah, like it's in a cutesy way. It's Ugh. so distracting and gross it's very and weird. weird. Very and like weird. Yeah. It's, Badly aged. Yeah, this movie Badly is not aged. We're, great. The worst aged of these three movies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and speaking to that, um, almost as badly aged yeah. is Swordfish. Yes. Which, <clears throat> so, Swordfish, I feel like me and you, um, a few years apart, but in a, obviously in the same age range, Swordfish in 2001 was made for the Gavins and Dans yeah, yeah, yeah. of 2001. 13, 14, oh, 15, yeah. 12. Just maybe you saw Boondock Saints. Right, and right, And you were right. like, that was cool. Yeah. Maybe you got around to seeing Pulp Fiction. You're like, oh, that was weird and cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't fully maybe appreciate what I saw. Your Reservoir Dogs, things to do in Denver when you're dead. <laughs> uh, you're just Formula yeah, 51. You're just racking up the hits, man. Uh, Suicide Kings. Oh, my God. Pool Hall Junkies. All these movies, uh, right? All these, what hath Tarantino writ, right? Love in a Bullet. And a, a complete aside, and you feel free to cut this out. Suicide Kings has my favorite um, 
I will never cut this Christopher out. Walken delivery of anything. Tell and, me. Um, when he's trying to turn them against each other while he's kidnapped. Sure. And he's, he's like going after Jay Moore specifically. Jay um, Moore was in that movie. Yeah. God, that's and right. he says something to Jay Moore and he's like, I'm not going to do it. And he just goes, fine, have it your way. <laughs> and it's just like, why did he say way like that? <laughs> have it your way. He was also in Pool Hall Junkies yes. and gives that, that, in the wilderness speech that yes. people will put I mean, now today 2018 yeah. people will post it on um you know on social media as like a awesome thing inspiration or whatever you yeah. want to say and i remember the first time i saw somebody share it i literally was watching it and i was like is this fucking pool hall junkies <laughs> like i just was like is it going in a time machine i was like yeah directed by mars callahan you know like what is like just but but so swordfish is in a lot of ways i feel like the culmination of this time yeah. of Reservoir Dogs, El Mariachi, to Pulp Fiction, to Desperado, to all the movies we just and, named, and even even the Matrix. I mean, it was so clear. Right, there's the a lot o- of Matrix. The in this. opening sequence, like, was done with that bullet time. I think the they, score, yeah, is crazy. The oh Matrix. my god, and it's and Don it's, Davis. But, if he didn't do this score, should have sued. But it's but it's bad. It's like the oh, Matrix, yeah, well, but right. like yeah. super bad. It's just that very like. I believe it's like Mike Oakenfold. Like oh, is it really yeah, Paul's so, brother? Yeah, or maybe maybe it was Paul. Oakenfold. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't I can't keep my techno people straight. But it reminds me of like how bad 2000 e techno was. Oh like, my god, it's like the dregs of it. Um, but yeah, the the opening sequence is something to behold. It's it's a very Tarantino. I think I texted you that like you know it's. This movie's a great it pretender. Is. It's Paul Oaken. Sorry to interrupt. Paul oh. Oakenfold and Christopher Young. Yeah. Good call. That's um, funny. Anyway. I uh this movie's a, a great pretender. It's like all the like the like Tarantino wannabe dialogue and it right. looks like a Wachowski film and it uh and it's edited like a Michael Bay film. Yeah. And so, there's like, a sheen to yeah, it, like and, a shitty Yeah, like they've definitely over-wrapped. filtered the fuck out of it. And well like, even they even they do the slip focus. Yeah. Um and so to your point, um, when we were texting about it, and I was, you were like twenty minutes ahead of me. We were, yeah. we, it happened to be watching at the same time. Yes, yeah, because I remembered distinctly, and you didn't respond. I was like, "Oh, oh shit, he's got a beret. He's, he's in the shit right <laughs> like, now." I, I, so I forgot about his opening monologue about Dog Day Afternoon. Yes, and it really bothers me actually because it doesn't understand Dog Day Afternoon. No. It's a weird... And it also plays its hand too soon. Well, right. Yeah, because he literally tells you the bad guys are going to win. You know what's funny? He. This is such a weird... But you know what this is? And But this is it's done way better. It's like the prestige. Yeah. I mean, it. you know, four years later. It, right. It's this thing of, you know, uh, or five years later. It's this thing of like, all right, I'm going to tell you about magic. Right. And then you're going to... And then you're going to be tricked, but, but they don't do it. But they I was going to say, I was going to say, to the prestige's favor, it, it is about magic. It is about tricking you. Right. And so, like, the like the whole thing is to let you know you're going to be tricked, and it still accomplishes the trick. Right, right. That's the best thing about that movie. Yeah, it's is great. That it's one, one solid magic trick. Um, this and, is, like, 48 right. bad tricks. Right. And, and none of them have anything... They don't seed anything really well. There's that weird scene where uh, Hugh Jackman sees a dead body. He goes looks, to get wine, yeah, and it's dead John Travolta Schultz. in the freezer, right? But but like it, it's lacks any sort of spatial context in the film, 
And so when the when the twist comes, it's so obvious. It's like, well, of course, because there was never any discussion to like. Tr- there was never yeah. sli- any sleight of hand. It's literally like watching like the the person with the three balls like lifting up the one cup to show you where the ball is and then not moving any of the cups. That's a great analogy. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that is exactly what it is. So and and like you're saying, the whole movie is posturing. Yeah. So you basically have this terrorist event happens. Also, that's the other weird thing. I mean, this isn't the movie's fault, but it's a movie that comes out in June 2001. Right. And it's basically about how terrorism can be used for good. Right. That's basically what the movie's about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then, you know, three months later. It's it's weird how much this, and actually someone like you were sort of affected. Someone like you became, weirdly enough, the first film to be, out it like came out on dvd in october right. of 2001 and there's that line where hugh jackman's like oh the, the in their apartment he's like the the view is great you can even see the view of the world trade center oh and really it was the very first movie released on dvd that was instantly outdated by and the then, terrorist attack I and that's a crazy like in kate and leopold didn't I, I might be speaking at school wasn't kate and leopold a movie where they they uh, erased them from the skyline. Yes, I think so. I think it, I because that I was Christmas that up, 01. Yeah. Um, um, that yeah, makes we, sense. We can look it up because I remember the whole thing was 25th hour. Obviously, came out. Yeah. Um, and kind of famously didn't. It was about. I mean, obviously, the movie's a more about that. The 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 ghost of the of the event lingers over that whole movie. And I remember the braveness of that movie came into comparison of you know, of other movies that you know basically were kind of trying to wash it away um anyway so swordfish basically starts with this terrorist event it does the thing where it goes so many days earlier we meet Hugh Jackman and this is like sexy Hugh he doesn't have a shirt on he's hitting golf balls and he's I, in midland texas it's so funny i made a note of this though cuz it is i mean clearly clearly like they know what they're doing by by taking Hugh's shirt off and he looks fucking great. And same in someone like you, yeah. But it's funny because he's instantly introduced to Halle Berry and the camera suddenly becomes so lecherous about her that you you kind of forget that he's shirtless in the scene. We could do a three-hour podcast about the what this movie does to Halle Berry. Right. It is. And and for like, I don't know, it's it's crazy. It's kind of crazy. It is. It's crazy. a very mixed emotion, especially coming from a queer person. <laughs> like it's a very mixed. I think from any person. Yeah. I because this movie is probably most in pop culture famously known for yeah. the fact that she got the, paid two million dollars to show her breasts. Yeah, yeah. Right. A, a million dollars okay. a breast. Yeah, as, yeah. I, as I remember. And that scene is is. Nothing. nothing. It's not it's less than nothing. And it's not titillating. It's not exciting. She's literally just reading a book. She moves the book away. She, and and the information delivered in the scene is you should get new clothes mm-hmm. because you're going to pick up your daughter. Your daughter. Yeah. Which okay, right? Mm-hmm. It's a no, it's a nothing thing. Um and yeah, that I mean really uh, more than anything that's probably if this if this movie is remembered at all it's for that. Um but the movie the whole movie is 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 is, is the male gaze. Yeah. And to your point about Hugh Jackman, firing all cylinders, right? Not at quite the buff levels that X two. No, and, no. But but fantastic of a time, yeah. handsome guy, you know, you know, thirty whatever, I and wrote, crushing it. I, at one point in my notes, I wrote cocky the movie. 
<laughs> and so he so he's a hacker right he's yeah. this hacker uh his name is what's his name it's like oh, oh my god i don't remember no i had it it's um because he's not named leopold in this one so. it's such a perfect it's such a perfect it's stanley stanley goodson or something like that good <laughs> no it is yeah yeah it's stanley yeah it's stanley jobson Stanley Jobson, holy shit! John Travolta's name is Gabriel Shear, and Halle Berry's name is Ginger Knowles, and this is the worst one. Don Cheadle. I don't know if he ever says the name. His name is Agent J T Roberts. Come on. All right. So Stanley Jobson, he's hitting golf balls. He's in Midland, Texas. He's poor. We're meant yeah. to know economically yeah. he's not doing he's well. He's not in the top tier. He's not. He's in the 99%. The, the, new, the new tax cuts would not favor Hugh. Yes. Hugh would be uh, shit out of luck. And Ginger knows Halle Berry's like, yo, what's up? Yeah. You were a great hacker. You're out of jail. Deliver, Beep, boop, bop. Delivers the g- great Tarantino-esque. Because at this time, people don't understand that the, the nuance to Tarantino's writing is not just throwing out a random reference. So when she introduced introduces herself as ginger he's like where's gilligan oh my god like, that's right like, and there is there is a beautiful product placement he she he or she opens the fridge and the heineken yeah heineken is man. just so when heineken puts money into your movie everybody knows that the last couple james bond films and i hate Let to me- say it every time there's a heineken in a movie i'm like of all the product placement that's the one where i'm like yeah i'm a heineken um i i Years ago, I worked for Filmmaker Magazine, and they got so much free Heineken for uh, the Gotham Awards, and the, everybody was taking boxes of it yeah, back yeah. home. And I'd never had Heineken before. This was like 2007, 2008. And uh, that shit's gross. Heineken? I do not oh enjoy. So can I, so I have this, I'm going to, this is a crazy aside. This is my weird Heineken story that is a, it's about memory. Okay. So when I was growing up, okay, I had a memory as I got older, that my dad always loved Heineken. When he would drink beer, he would drink Heineken. So when I got older in high school and I was like having beers and obviously more in college, if I got a chance, I would have Heineken because I liked Heineken because my dad liked Heineken and I remember Heineken and all this stuff. So I get older and I get out of college and I have Heineken. Heineken's a beer I like, right? A lot of people don't like it. Skunky, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I I always liked it. I defended it and I liked it and it was always a thing. Like I was living in New York, PAing on movies and it would be a, you know, a six pack I would get at the end of the day, blah, blah, blah. So I go home one day, one uh, Christmas uh, vacation and I'm just, I bring up to my dad. My dad got Heineken's for the weekend. And I'm like, yeah, I always drink Heineken because you always loved Heineken. And my dad's like, I never loved Heineken. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, no, I mean, I would get it when you would come home because I knew you liked it. And I was like, and I realized that I had a false, probably product placement driven memory that my dad loved Heineken. And because of that not real memory, I loved Heineken. And because of the real thing of me loving Heineken built on the fallacy of him loving Heineken, he started liking Heineken. And now we drink Heineken and it's built on nothing. This is your own Kate and Leopold. But but isn't that, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I literally, I was home, you know, whoever listening yes, yesterday you, to this recording, if you, I was talking to my dad about this. If you hadn't gone back in time <laughs> and introduced Heineken to you. Here's the deal. My last name is Heineken. <laughs> 
I'm Dan Heineken. Um, I hope Heineken is enjoying uh, yeah, all the product so placement anyway, just done for them. Uh, the B-side brought to you by Heineken. <laughs> so um, he, uh, Halle Berry recruits this guy, uh, Hugh Jackman. He's down on his luck. I'm still thinking about this story. I'm sorry. Go it's on. It's crazy, right? Yeah, but yeah. it's a weird yeah, story. That's and great. So, and so, and so uh, Hugh meets with Gabriel Shear, John Travolta at this like, Ugh, club. Yeah. And this scene, I mean, I texted you about it. When I saw the movie, this was the one that lingered. And blame it on being 13 and adolescent, right? He it basically has this job interview where John Travolta is like, he flips around a shitty laptop and right. is like, it is like, hey, um, hack into the Department of Defense. And it just like said, it's like one of these great, it's just like Department of Defense login, right? You're like, okay. And and he Jackman's like, I can't touch a computer, blah da da, I'm a hacker, blah da 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 da, I'm gonna go to jail forever. And um they throw they're throwing money at him and he does it and he starts doing it, but as he begins to start doing it, this like hot girl starts like, giving like him a blowjob. I know I, like I did just quote, a quote hot. It's hot. <laughs> very like, you know, bleach you're talking about yeah. Carmen Electra earlier, yeah, like yeah. bleach blonde, like fake in every way, like so oh one right you're just like what is this and just starts giving him a blowjob and he's like no no like don't do that i gotta focus and it's and then vinnie jones god bless puts a gun on his face and is like let her do her work or something yeah. like that and so he's got That's a, a pretty decent vinnie jones, but... <laughs> like guys is he here in the room with us yeah, vinnie. please welcome vinnie, <laughs> vinnie jones, jones. <laughs> and so and so um he has to hack what would take a good hacker 60 minutes in 60 right. seconds while getting a blowjob and a gun in his face um, and you know what he does it guys i uh i don't want to be crass uh, don't be but be do what you need to do I, hugh jackman i did the math okay I, i'm the same age that hugh jackman is oh, yeah, in we that movie about this. Oh, um stress stress takes a lot out of you i don't feel like that blowjob was enjoyable for either of them. Yeah, and I don't, also, I, I don't feel like I don't anything wanna, was going on down I don't want to get further crass, but I will. I don't think anybody finished anything. Yeah. Which really, I mean, <laughs> like, that bummed me out a little, right? Where it's like, <laughs> you, this whole thing happens. Right. And she clearly, I mean, this poor girl. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 she is paying the most for this. Yeah. It's whoever her, what is, what, is, what, is, what is her story? That's right. what I want to know. <laughs> She's got to do this thing. Ugh, I mean, whatever. And he's dealing with his own thing. Nobody was, yeah, nobody's yeah. enjoying it. Yeah. It's gross. So it's like not enjoyable for them. But it's when I was a young for the, viewer. For the audience. When I was a young viewer, it wasn't that it even excited me, but it was that thing of not unlike these Tarantino, happened with these Tarantino rip out, ripoff movies. The juxtaposition of right. the things felt brave right well or, or, it was definitely or some, interesting it was definitely something you hadn't seen before but in, exactly. in the in a way it's akin to ashley judd blowing dust off her diaphragm sure. it's like naughtiness for naughtiness sake oh there's like, no reason for it. it's pushing a boundary that no one cares about yeah you know yeah and it's just and, and to, to no end at all yeah and so basically the, the, the movie is this he gets recruited by uh john travolta who's the shadowy figure yeah and the whole movie, you never really learn. You never learn anything about him. Yeah, the only thing you learn about him is that he's connected to a senator who's yeah. also shadowy and played by 
Uh, R.I.P. Sam Shepard. He's, he's so good. He has like three scenes. He's so good. At and that. it's one of those things where the Tate Donovan, who's like his age. Yeah. The Tate Donovan, Also, what Sam did Tate Sh- Donovan do to land this? This is the Marissa Tomei role of this movie, where it's just like- Weirdly, Tate dealing with a similar mid-career yeah. pre-OC. Yeah. Like- Absolutely. It's like- you know jingle jangle he's like doing a dance here and but but to your point about the three scenes they have i would so much rather watch the shadowy senator and his aid movie in conjunction to some oh one hacking shit and and uh, well first of all uh, and i believe it was actually said in some of the reviews at the time that came out watching a person sit at a computer is never exciting true just just in general yeah and this is something that hollywood still hasn't learned yeah. and they continue to make films with hackers as though we are to be interested in these hackers yeah. and uh but That's uh true. but the the thing i will say is i still don't really know and then they die uh what the senator's end game was well yeah i mean so so yeah so basically that's that's it's a good point and i wanted to talk about that so basically because John Travolta's endgame was to commit a terrorist attack in a way that would avoid future, future terrorists. And this is your classic yeah. 24, you know, shit, mm-hmm. right? You know, to prevent evil, we, we must do evil, which, yeah. I mean, I don't even want to go down the rabbit hole right. of how 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 viciously I hate that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially when there's no irony or nuance, which this movie, and you know, and this is another thing. I think I thought this movie had that. Yeah. And it does not. I mean, I think I think the thesis of this movie is we got to kill all these bad people. Right. And in the worst ways and the quickest ways before they kill us. Yeah. And this movie came out before 9/11. Before 9/11. That's what's crazy about it politically like it's a nutso film. I mean, nutso. he's based- This is Alec Jones's favorite film. Is it? Oh, no, yeah, but yeah, it must yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It must be. Um, it would be well, great they, if it actually was. They, I mean, because that's what it felt. It felt like he was like Travolta's playing Dick Cheney. Like, right. <laughs> like he's just before, proposing. like before, yeah. like or during, during, yeah. yeah. And it's just interesting that that was already in the atmosphere. Yeah. Prior to something so horrific occurring in reality, I, I watching it re-looked up the release date. Yeah. Because I was like, is this not an O2 movie? It got pulled because it was still out in theaters even though it came out in june june so yeah. but back then movies ran a little longer right so and it got pulled from theaters because of the explosion sure. of the building well yeah yeah i mean i don't know kind of hard to hard to not but i mean it's yeah there's some grotesque things in this movie and then yeah and then and so basically that's what it is it's escalation um don Cheadle is on the trail of hugh jackman yeah jackman ultimately wants to help Cheadle, and there's deals that are made he's got a daughter i was gonna say yeah hugh jackman's major plot is and i believe i wrote it down here uh the i just want my kids back of it all yeah Yeah. (laughs) like where he just wants his daughter right and it's funny his ex-wife yes who (laughs) she said the one direction she was given was i want the audience to hate you from your first moment on screen that's what the director i mean she achieves it yeah she gets it she achieves it and she's like you know he's an ex-con and she's improved her life by marrying a porn producer who it seems to be implied just lives on his own movie sets yeah she's she's in they say that she's in the movies right and he's walk she's walking around her apartment and it's just like racks of clothing and stuff 
Yeah, I, the, there's like a wardrobe a, yeah, thing. It's the weirdest choice. Like, there's another scene that's so of this of uh, of the time where uh, Don Cheadle's talking to like his two IT assistants, and they like know the porn movies just because yeah. all these computer nerds are just like masturbating alone all the time. It's so like that type of stuff is so aged. Oh like, yeah, badly. <laughs> yeah, that feels like he's just randomly talking to the characters from. Um, I can't think of the, the Will Smith conversation. I mean, the conversation sequel. Now again, oh. uh, Enemy of the State. Oh, Enemy of the State. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah it's exactly talking that. to like exactly from that. Enemy of the oh State. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, the the movie that launched a thousand careers in that surveillance van. Jack yes. Black, all these people. Seth Green, Scott Con, yeah. Barry Pepper. Oh, amazing. Uh, the other thing I wrote down, and I think this ends my notes because I didn't take that many, just because I was just like, what? Please end. Um, <laughs> was uh, the thing that they're going after is the World Bank. Oh a, yeah, yeah. I don't even right because there is because cool. there is a real world bank, but, but they this can't. One's cool, yeah, they can't go after that. So it's W O R L D space B A N C. There's a bar in Murray Hill called <laughs> the Bank, spelled the same way, and it's equally as aggravating yeah. as, as you would think. I was just like, come on. <laughs> and that's what it is. It's they're stealing money basically to continue blowing shit up yeah. for the good of the country. Right. At the at the bequest of Sam Shepard, but the reason he dies is because he he pulls funding. Yeah. Is the thing. And it's funny when uh, when Tom Cruise, when uh uh Travolta kills him, uh he says the line, um, did you know Thomas Jefferson once shot a man for treason on the lawn of the White House? And apparently that is a thing that people still believe. It comes from this movie. There is no factual basis to that. I was going to, you know, Thomas it's funny. Jefferson had never shot anyone for treason on the lawn of the White House. I am so happy you, you researched that because yeah. I meant to. It 100% that comes from. That is so fucked It originates up. in Swordfish. That is so fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Um, apparently, I, I will say this. Every Everybody's happy. I, I thought Holly Berry was great in the movie i think she's better in this movie than she is in a lot of movies from that era when she yeah like she because she's real terrible in the world's not enough and uh, uh die, die another, another, yeah, another day bro. another day yeah, jinx yeah. i like world's not jinx enough, johnson yeah. yes i yes. believe is her name so swordfish we kind of talked about the ending already it's basically a bait and switch kind of there's this whole thing it goes back to the beginning where there's a negotiation this thing right. blows up the bus goes in the air, which they, uh, they were so proud of the sequence yeah. in the movie. It makes me crazy watching it. <laughs> They're like, the bus is now air. It's now an aerial pursuit. And they repeat the like aerial pursuit thing 80 times in the yeah. movie. And you're like, yeah, we get it, dude. The bus is now a plane. Okay, just let's continue. It, yes. Uh, and then- At least it kills yeah. Vinnie Jones. So. Poor Vinnie Jones. Falls out, out of the back of the bus, falls up. <laughs> that doesn't doesn't, doesn't get make a lot one of sense. death. Yeah, it gets, gets forty. Yeah, <laughs> two or at least two. And yeah, so he dies, and then it's presumed that Halle Berry and John Travolta die right. in a similar explosion. Yeah, right? well, the bus goes Hall- into a building or something. Well, it's assumed Halle Berry dies earlier in the film because <gasps> right, she, she she's revealed sh- to be a DEA agent. Yeah, and then the old John- triple cross. Yeah, exactly. So John Travolta is going to torture her to death. Um, so Hugh Jackman will give him his money. Right, and then like when Hugh Jackman gives him his money, he like lets her down and shoots her immediately. And he's like, "She's a DEA agent, whatever," and they move yeah, on. She was DEA stand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then they can't find her body afterwards. And Classic. Then, and then Hugh Jackman blows up. the The problem with the helicopter blowing up. Let me is please. Travolta would have to know 
right. that Hugh Jackman this was is going Skyfall. to blow you're up. Doing, this yeah, is, doing exactly. Skyfall right now. It's the cr- it's the craziest assumption. So the 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 bus lands on a roof. That Travolta and his guys run off into a helicopter. Uh, Hugh Jackman's not going to let them get away with it. Finds nah. a bazooka on the back of the bus. Right, 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 right. Right. Takes it out. Blows up the helicopter right as the FBI and Don Cheadle are all. Yeah, like, he would have to have known Jackman was going to do that. Right. 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 Which is crazy. So when that later in the end, uh, you know, he's brought in to identify the body because you can't find anyone better to identify the body. Um, <laughs> no relations or anything. Um and they say, like, it's the clearly the body from earlier in the film, dressed right, to look like the, John Travolta. The f- body in the, the wine frost, cellar. The wine yeah. cellar body. Um, and, you know, they're like, oh, it turns out he's like an ex-Mossad agent from Israel, which is the weirdest revelation because it's like, John Travolta's Jewish? I would have loved um, if they had like, made him the character from Broken Arrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, just in a little connection. And, uh, I mean, don't they both have the, like, little soul patches? I believe they do. <laughs> yeah. I believe they and, do. Um, uh, and so Hugh Jackman realizes that like John Travolta warned him that he, he, there was going to be misdirection and they do the worst thing, which is instead of showing you the full, the scene, the way it took place in the film, they add in an insert where like in his like stupor after shooting the bazooka, he sees John Travolta's like legs run away into a door. Yeah. Like into a subway yeah. almost or like a subterranean thing. And it's just like, why did you, did he see that? earlier so has he known yeah has he known and so in the end clearly Halle Berry and and John Travolta were working together and they get away and they fake their deaths again and then it ends with a ship blowing up and then a news report telling us that the ship had this bad guy on it and it's the third of a bunch of things that and so you they're continuing their business of of doing bad things for the right reasons for the right reasons you know terrible oh Um, I will say Say I was going to mention this earlier um, and this is not me saying anything about John Travolta John Travolta can live his life the way he wants to live his life his Scientology life sure Um, Hugh Jackman John Travolta big musical theater fans uh apparently in between takes just singing musicals just singing songs really? musicals yeah oh that's nice time. isn't that nice oh that is they nice they had a good time yeah they had I a good you, time making i it. bet you holly berry was like fuck this <laughs> holly Berry's like i just need my oscar exactly <laughs> um so that's swordfish it's not good so kate leopold last movie we kind of talked about it before so we'll, we'll be relatively brief it's definitely the best of the three like we said yeah, absolutely directed by james mangold the premise is leopold is a is an is a is a duke he's the duke of albany duke which of albany doesn't make any sense based on how the movies lay out but that's fine right. like cuz cuz yeah. titles pass from father to uh oh, son usually and in this film it's his like it's, uncle it's his uncle or something like that and the real duke of albany was actually one of the rare cases where the title passed from the mother oh interesting the real the duke of albany was a real person did um, he really invent the elevator uh yeah, I think that's or like some true. some version of it. That's the weirdest bit in the movie is the like time well, the time recurrence that he's, well yeah and so okay so Duke so he's the so he's the Duke of Albany and at the beginning of the movie he's this you know he's a dreamer yeah he's got these plans and his uncle is like Leopold stop being a dick right. you're thirty you got to get married we're having a party tonight and by hook or by crook you're gonna announce right. who your bride is. And he's and Leopold's like fuck you, I don't like you, but I'm tired. Pick literally pick somebody, right? I'll I'll, I'll make an announcement. I don't care. I'll get married to some some one of these shrews, right? One of these 
Ugh. You know what makes me so angry too is the one that he picks Miss Tree is it's Kristen, Kristen Schaal and her very first screen role. But it's such a, like because they of do my, her dirty. Yeah, because of my love for Kristen Shaw. I know. Shaw, I know. I agree. Like it the, killed the, me. The, the role is just she's ugly. Yeah. The the, the the whole thing is, oh my god, what a homely person next right. to Hugh Jackman, Wolverine, and it's like. And what's weird is she looks nice in the movie. Yeah, she it's not like, even like like they corseted her up. They get, they curled out her hair. It's and not like, even like yeah. Like the joke doesn't even land right. well. I don't know. Right. They're like, oh god, yeah, exactly. Like what a cow. Just, you know, it's like no, it's like she's like, just like a yeah. nice looking young lady. Yeah. But anyway, but it, so but it is played. It's played like that. it's played like, like yeah. Philip Bosco is yeah. his his um like assistant guy, whatever, and it's. All right, I'm going to announce somebody. Which is hilarious. You never see Philip Bosco play a character in a Regency period. Never. Like, like he's like... Well, and he's very... He's a modern guy. Right, exactly. And so, like, it's weird to see him, like, yeah. And that was... One thing I was going to say... One thing that's nice about Hugh Jackman, um, because not every actor has this, Tom Cruise being a primary example, he can play timeless. Yeah. Hugh Jackman could be a Greek person. He could be Odysseus. I think they're trying to make him Odysseus. That's yeah. the they've been trying to make that movie for a while. He he can play any time period, right? What are, what are you saying about Far and Away? No, sorry, well, no, but, but my what I always point to because Far and Away is a famously like the Irish accent Tom Cruise. It's, yeah. it's not great, but I always point to a movie that I do kind of like, despite the White Savior thing in it, is The Last Samurai, which. It is a well-made movie. Uh, obviously, the fact that he's the last samurai is a tough pill to swallow. But Edward Zwick movie. But the thing about the movie is, though it be a very good performance by Tom Cruise, and it is, his accent is modern American. Yeah, yeah. And he's not doing an accent, and that's probably for the best, as we know. But it is distracting. Because the movie, it's like 1870-something. Right. And he's this like... Civil War general, and he's talking like Tom Cruise, yeah, and it doesn't work. And Hugh Jackman has has a voice that oh is God. a forever voice. Yeah, it can work in what. And so, you know, Bruce Bruce Willis runs into this problem too, right? He's yeah. more of like a Tom Cruise, like he's got a voice that fits in the '90s and the 2000s, right? Nothing you can really do about that except for put on an accent, and those guys can't really do that. So there yeah. you go. Anyway. So he's Leopold. Um, he's doing his thing. He notices a, a Liev Schreiber-looking guy who's played by Liev Schreiber, and he's taking photos um, of stuff with uh, like a little camera. And obviously, it doesn't make sense because it's you know, right. whatever year it is. It's like eighteen ninety, eighteen something, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And so he's following Liev. He's aware of Liev, and ultimately, he follows Liev Schreiber right before he's supposed to announce his bride. To the Brooklyn Bridge, which is still being constructed. Yeah. And Liev jumps off a thing off the bridge, uh, or he's about to, and Hugh Jackman grabs him and 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 in a slapdash uh thing, they yeah. both fall into the river. But it's not a river. Not, not before he maces him. It's uh, the <laughs> like, mace. I forgot about the mace. Anyway. It's like a worm time yeah, hole it's a, or something. Yeah, I do like that the 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 like coming out of the wormhole is never explained because no one's ever wet afterwards. Oh, that's it's interesting. Not, it's not yeah. like they've jumped into a body of water. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and you know, and so like, where does the wormhole come out? Yeah, and so the whole thing is, that's a good point. Where does it come out? Oh, speaking of, by Tell the way, because I I saw like I because I saw the director's cut the first time you meet Kate in the director's cut version mm-hmm. after you see her in the past. Um, so she's like a studio 
person. She, she it's does, another production job. Yeah, Isn't yeah. that weird? It is really weird. It's weird. So she does test focus groups marketing uh, for films. And uh, there's this movie uh, that is being shown and they're doing like the, the audience reaction afterwards. And she meets like this, like angry, like she, she's kind of like, uh, like clearly like this isn't working because the, the female protagonist of this film is, is flawed. And there's an audience member who gets like angry at her and he's like, cause she's a, cause she's a real person. She would make these decisions. And Kate's like, I would never make these decisions. He's like, that's the problem with you people. You're, you're sucking all the, the life out of American cinema by not having these flawed characters and everything. It's James Mangold. Really? Yeah, he's playing the angry audience member who's like railing against Hollywood for What a weird I I would love to do a Mangold episode. Yeah. I well I love James. <sighs> he's Mangold, had such so, a weird yeah, career. Yeah. Heavy. That's a good movie. Um, but I just love the fact that he plays the angry audience, like anti Hollywood audience member who's like, You're not allowing people to feel real things. And- well, in this movie, and we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, this movie it didn't break him. But he had a lot of problems with yeah, this movie. Yeah. This was a tough. I mean, you know, it's a it's a look. It's a fucking Miramax movie. Yeah, yeah. And it's it, at the that's worst why, time. You know, that's why at I'm the height of his power that the director's cut exists. <clears throat> yeah, because that's the thing that about working for Miramax is that they take final cut away from everyone. Well, and famously, and I, I you know, th- this is a little probably conjecture, but but semi famously, Harvey Weinstein was in love with this property. And he felt like it could be an Oscar movie. He felt like it could be a Casablanca-like thing. And obviously you can tell from the way the movie gets cut and released, that dissipated. And they felt another way about it. And now it is what it is, which is just a genial piece of film history. It's not, it's it's nice. It's a nice movie. Yeah. Um, And they have, they have actually pretty good chemistry, Hugh Jackman and Meg Ryan. Um, So he goes to the room hall, he wakes up, it's New York, it's 2001, he's confused, fish out of water. And Liev, because of the wormholiness, Elevators uh, the have, elevator breaks. They've started, sort and of the breaking. irony, or the yeah. or the dramatic irony of elevator, and he invents the Hugh Jackman invents the elevator, and the elevator breaks. Right. Da, 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 da. Yeah, well, that's the the like all all elevators in New York City are starting to like break down. Because exactly, he never invented them because he's trapped in the exactly. And it's right. this weird like time recurrence wormhole yeah. thing that I. That's the one part of the movie that doesn't work for me because it's like, does time work that way in this? Right, like, where it's like it's like reactionary to right. the parallel thing, right. And it doesn't. It's like wouldn't the elevators themselves just disappear in that game? Or wouldn't nobody? Yeah, there would not. There wouldn't be a gradual thing. Yeah. I guess it's just like a cute thing, and you know it's you and know it what? gets rid of Liev Shriver for most of the movie, which what you need to need, do. needed to happen, you, you know. So that I <clears throat> up until he gives that speech about the dog seeing the rainbow, which I think is his finest movie moment in the film. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he's in the. Yeah, institution to like convince the woman yeah. to get him out yeah and he's like it's like a dog seeing a rainbow and she's confused and he's like because dogs are colorblind and she's like they are <laughs> um, but uh and uh up until he gives that speech i genuinely don't know why he was cast in this movie and he's well great. he was young yeah but he's and he's great just this is not a guy. knock on him yeah. but they should have cast like a somebody who's more a physical comedian because there's this weird running right. gag about like because I thought his leg. I kind of liked him doing the physical. Oh comedy. really? It, you didn't it, like it? No, because it was like it felt actually painful and not funny. <laughs> and so like he like injures his leg and then it keeps getting hit and he'll like scream and. I see that's so funny that you saying that. I I think I wrote in my notes great physical comedy. 
Yeah, no, I was I was like worried for him. Yeah, I yeah. Was like, I mean, he, oh, no. he maybe he oversells. Yeah, yeah, that's a good <laughs> point. A, and so, like, I like him. Well, as an actor, but... he falls down an elevator shaft. Yes, and true. should die. I I was gonna say genuinely, and I had seen this movie before when it happened on the rewatch. I was like, oh, Does he Liam dies. die? I I had <laughs> the exact same thought. I was watching and. Because I, when it was happening, he, he's holding onto the leash, yeah, and he's trying to get the dog's attention. And I thought to myself, "Oh, the dog must do something that lessens this." Yeah, and no, no. he just falls down an elevator shaft from the presumably 18th floor. I don't and, know, whatever. And it is. I love that this only happens because he gets distracted by a hot neighbor who is never seen again. Yeah, and so whatever they fall in love, right? And the whole thing is uh, Hugh Jackman and uh, Meg Ryan. Right. She, she needs a, she needs somebody for her commercial. Right. Which also, I will admit, like I guess she, I guess she is only like a test focus group thing. But like that first scene that's in the director's well, no, cut she, suddenly doesn't really make any sense. Well, like, and also not unlike someone like you, we work in this this right. world. It's it's an amalgamation job because yeah. she. I have friends. I'm sure you have friends who who have her her right. job, which is a brand consultant. Yes, right. But the brand consultant would not be the producer overseeing casting, right? right? And she is doing both, right? And she also wouldn't. The brand consultant most likely wouldn't be handling a big Hollywood studio movie and also a butter commercial. Yeah, like those. There would be specific yeah. things, and at the same time, yeah, yeah, and. I, I mean, once again, and since we're talking specifically about Hugh Jackman, he is so good in this movie. He sells so good every scene. It's crazy. He has. I I thought he. I genuinely didn't think he had nominated for like, a Golden Globe. Yeah, and deservedly kind of. I I don't. I didn't think he had any chemistry with Ashley Judd. I'll be perfectly honest. Sure. I love Ashley Judd, but like when they kiss at the end of someone like you, I was like, Ugh. they have chemistry in their banter, right. As friends, they, as friends. They, there's like that's the, the part, the cheerleading parties we mentioned before, right. where they're staying up late and like she, yeah. she's like, if you make three, dump- by the way, they're eating like leftover dumplings. How many dumplings did they order? <laughs> yeah, and also, why is he throwing dumplings? She, she, out? she dares him, and she's like, I dare you to make no, but four I mean, of them left-handed. But you're wasting you're wasting food. food. Yeah. What are you doing, Ernie? By the way, Hugh Chinese Jackman's food. left-handed in real life, so it wasn't very hard for him to make those passes. Zip, zip, zip. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they looked very easily made. But, 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 but him and Meg Ryan, like... It works. There's this great scene. She never believes him until the end, because that's what the script calls for. Um, and also, it'd be weird if she was instantly like, yeah, of course, you're from the Regency era. Um, but uh, the when... They they spend all night together when he uh, apologizes to her for basically like ruining a job interview with her yeah. lecherous boss played by Bradley. Whitford. Oh, poor Bradley Whitford. What is yeah. he doing? Oh my god! And like this would have been like West Wing era. Oh yeah, Bradley this is Whitford. him getting yeah. like a nice meaty yeah. little role off of um, that. Yeah, and you know he ruins the this like business dinner that's actually Bradley Whitford like taking her out to like just going full Harvey yeah, yeah going full Harvey <laughs> like, Harvey was like I see myself yeah Harvey's character. like I love this Bradley Whitford yeah. character <laughs> um, could, could we have more of him no Harvey uh, <laughs> please and, God no and uh, so he apologizes to her by having dinner on the roof and then they they spend all night together and there's this beautiful moment where they're like hanging out on um uh the fire escape. And she's telling him about the neighbor oh, the who Moon River. to Moon River every Love night. It. And that midnight turns it off and goes to bed. And she has this great moment where she says, like, oh, it's Sunday now. 
I don't want it to be Sunday. I want more of this. And he's like, well, you don't work on Sundays. And she, and she's like, but it's the day before work. And it, it's a very human thing. It's how I think it's sure. currently Sunday. Now I'm yeah. dreading going to work. I, know. Even though I just quit my job. I and, um, I don't know the, the magic in that scene. They're talking about very mundane things. Mm-hmm. And well, and also isn't that same scene or maybe it's a different scene that it weirdly works, even though I was going to call it out for the, the time capsule thing of it is she, she talks about how she lives on an Island and she hasn't been anywhere and yeah. she's never traveled to anywhere. And I, I like it because it reminds me of how old New York movies yeah. act like Brooklyn is like a million miles away. Yes. And now obviously that is not a thing anymore. Right. But he, like in movies like Ghost, which is much earlier, and The Paper. Yes. Yeah, like, yeah. There's a crime in Williamsburg. Right. And the idea that it's in Williamsburg means that they're not going to get the information for hours. Right. When, when you live here, you know that it's not a big deal. No. But there's a loveliness to her speech. And also, maybe it's, I mean, you know, this is Meg Ryan at the end of her yeah. run. I mean, this is the last it's, it's, uh, well, rom com, basically. It was really kind of cool to watch this because you do forget how charming meg ryan is. i know you do and, and this is oh one i mean this is this is a long time ago like and and as for as much credit as because tom hanks is still like a, a very big actor and very and, a, and a man and a man and, and you know has, for as much credit as he gets for all the the comedies that they did together you know, he's never recaptured that either. You know, he did no things way. like Larry Crown oh, a couple years ago with Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts, who also has a great career of doing romantic comedies. And just, it's, oh, sorry. You're fine. And it's just, and it's flat. It's just not there. You're totally right. So Meg Ryan genuinely doesn't get the credit she deserves for, for things like this. Yeah, I thought about that a lot watching this movie. Um, and it made me, it legitimately made me sad because you know, this movie, like we said, did underperform, right. um, though I think it was relatively well-received, and marked the end of her run. I mean, it, she would do Against the Ropes, which right. was a famous kind of flopola yeah. in like 04, and then she would do a couple other little things in the cut, obviously. Yeah. Uh, was a big swing and a miss. Proof which, of Life. Which Oh, people, yeah. Well, people held that one against her. Because, Even though it was Crow, right? Yeah. I mean, and like also, proof of Life. Also, just a weird thing to think about nowadays, because I don't think that would destroy anyone's career. When nowadays. did Proof of Life come out? 01, 02? Oh, I have the worst. Uh, I... Fe- features an unbelievable David Crusoe performance. I w- two th- oh so okay so Proof of Life so maybe it's the one two punch of yeah. Proof of Life in two thousand and then this and Kate Leopold right after they both were under underperformed. I had the biggest crush on one of the most popular girls in my school, uh, and we sort of started dating. And the very last date we went on was just hanging out at her parents' house watching Proof of Life. Classic. And she broke my heart after that movie. And so Aww, like and I ne- and I never spoke to her again either. I'd like literally my mom would be like, Oh, that nice girl called and I was like, I don't want to talk to her. Oh shit, really? Yeah, you just yeah. You I cut, cut her you off. Just were like, yeah. I was like Whoa. I think the most interesting part about these three movies is it shows the the moment when you're a star and then the systems, the Hollywood system that's in p- place is trying to define you. And I guess of the three, you know, Kane Leopold right. speaks For, to his definition. Right. And and clearly, like, as you mentioned, the, all three were disappointments box office wise. Uh, but I do think 
as you mentioned, Kate and Leopold had more effect on his career in terms of what he would decide to do after X-Men totally. 2. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, and like you're saying, it is a shame and it speaks to the gender dynamics, the shitty gender dynamics that are hopefully changing that obviously Hugh Jackman was at a different point in his career. Right. But Meg Ryan and Hugh Jackman aren't that, like their ages right. aren't that different. I mean, no, she's older no. by a couple, by a few right. years. And, and it's, it's a bummer how the disappointment of that movie financially didn't affect the young male star Hugh Jackman. Right. Probably helped. And people just well, regard it, it as another Meg Ryan disappointment. It started his like cooperation with James Mangold. I mean, that's yeah. clearly been a very oh, yeah. right. fruitful uh, partnering for him yeah. between both the Wolverine and Logan. Um, and so like, I, I mean, it, yeah, it definitely didn't hurt and it, it didn't really affect any. I mean, Meyer still kind of plays the same roles that he plays in this movie and didn't do anything for Natasha Leone, but it didn't hurt Liev Schreiber either. Like, oh, he God, said, no. yeah. So it's weird that she's the only one who came out. It's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely, I know we're talking about Hugh Jackman, but when you watch Kate Leopold, it, yeah. it, 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 it's the reminder of who she was right. and how, because how, how, how they've, Hollywood did her wrong. Especially if you watch these three movies in sequence and you can really see, you know, Hugh Jackman is a star on the rise, but, since this movie kind of was part part and parcel to taking Meg Ryan down, you don't see her on the decline in the film. Oh no, you don't watch the film and are like, oh, she's the problem. It's not even close. So, no, and that's yeah. and it's a bummer. And it's like, you know, and that's just I don't know what to make of that other than obviously it's a song that we all know. Yeah, and so you know, um, I mean, Ashley Judd certainly didn't. Her career didn't. Yeah, no, similar yeah. kind of. I mean, you know, yeah. she would have a couple helped. more shots, right? But, but she never, but she never really did another no. rom com again. And and admittedly, no. it's not her strength. I I I was thinking about that. Sorry, not to go back to someone like you because I know we're wrapping up. But the the part in someone like you that she sells the best is her sister, who you see three times in the movie, has a miscarriage, and you're supposed to care. Um, oh God, but, right? But but the scene in the hospital when she's with her, and she barely has any lines in that scene, and she's selling it. And oh, that's yeah. because that's what Ashley Judd does. It's not this like flirty rom com thing. It's these like serious and and she she would get there in a movie not unlike this movie, but a but a better version of it uh, uh, in Come Early Morning, which a few years later, which is Joey Lauren Adams directed. Okay, I don't. I it's a small it. movie. Yeah. Um, but it was one of these small movies that probably was at Sundance, and you know. You know, I think it was the mid mid aughts, maybe a little bit later, and it's this lovely romance. And Ashley Judd's the lead, directed by a woman, uh, Joy Lauren Adams, and would speak to what you're talking about, which is the things th- that make you know. She was a great, you know, Double Jeopardy. These movies, yeah. she's doing that, and that's its own thing, and she's doing a great job. But the other the other part of her, which like you're talking about. She she's out of her element and someone like yeah. you 80% of the time. Yeah. And maybe unlike Kate and Leopold, it feels like she's misplaced. Yeah. Like for Meg Ryan. You know what I mean? Comparing the two. And so it's definitely interesting. Um and yeah, I mean, this would be just the beginning for Hugh. X two. Yeah, yeah. Uh a bunch of other ones. Oh my god. How and, many has he how many and Wolverines? It's uh, yeah, a billion? Well, it's nine. He did, he did the, yeah. Including the cameos? Yeah, I think so. The, the the funny thing is too is I was gonna Crazy. say like clearly I think if you learn anything from someone like you and Swordfish that the sort of like gruff macho guy is not w- what he's great at but then 
X I, Men movies completely yeah. negate that. But I think it's because he's playing such a specific, like it's, I, I don't think Wolverine would ever like tell a woman he groped her in the middle of the night. That I think that's the difference is like, he, right. Cause like, Wolverine's not a cad. Right. Right. Cause Wolverine is in love. Right. With Jean Grey. Right. Exactly. You know, so that's the difference, right? Yeah. He's a romantic. Right. So yeah, I, that, the that Hugh Jackman sort of, smoking a cigarette and being shitty. Yeah. is not, is it only goes so far. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so, yeah, but you know, I think on that note, uh, we'll thank you for his contributions. Yes. And Meg, yeah. Oh, Meg. She directed a movie called Ithaca that nobody saw. Yes, I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With Tom I, Hanks. I didn't see it. I didn't see it either. <laughs> but, uh, oh, I know, Meg. Uh, if you ever do a Meg Ryan episode, I'd I'd come back for that. Yeah, I was trying to think of what the movies would be, obviously. Um, there's a few. She's had a weird career as well. Yeah. The Women. Yeah. Whoa. Oh. That's a weird one. Oh, no. Die in English. Yeah. That is a Yikes. weird movie. Yeah. Anyway. The original is a masterpiece. Yeah, well, right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um. Until next time, yes. Gavin. Uh, the mixed reviews. Yes. Oh, yeah. So uh, I've had many a podcast over the years, but my current one is uh, the mixed reviews. It's a film podcast uh, where my friend Louie and I, uh, very much similar to this, but in, in a sort of larger context, we take an actor or a director or a genre, and we sort of talk about what we like the best from it and what we don't like the best from it. And we spend two weeks watching as many movies as we can on the subject, educating yeah. ourselves, and then we gab about it for like gab, uh, yeah, so, gab fest, exactly. And uh, and uh, we think we're funny. Hopefully, you do too. Yeah, I love the podcast. Yeah. I'm a, I am a listener. But yeah, if you're looking for the mixed reviews, it's on iTunes, it's on Stitcher Radio, and you can contact us on Twitter. We're at the mixed reviews. Good. And you're friendless mean. I'm at friendless mean. I do. I do your Twitter handle. Yes, I like that uh, handle a lot. It was. It's two things. It's uh, the way my father said he would die someday. <laughs> um, and since he's dead, I hope I oh hope God. that's not necessarily true. Uh, and uh, it's also and I didn't put this together even though i was in hello dally as a kid but i recently saw hello dally on broadway and it's actually a line horace vandegiller says oh really yeah in said, hello dolly yeah he says i became rich friendless and mean which is about as far as you can go in yonkers damn yeah so i was look like at you. oh look full at of references yeah, yeah. on that that's crazy well hugh jackman is certainly not friendless or mean no and we thank he, him for his very work. huggable and thank you for listening and good day Bye.